Are we set? All right, wonderful. Oh my goodness. Hey, thanks, Kim, um, and and thanks to everybody that that worked together. What you didn't hear was that Phil, who was supposed to be also on lead guitar this morning, as of last night, fell ill too, completely independently of me. And so um, we've just had all sorts of people step in and make it make it happen. Uh, and uh, and just wanted to give a disclaimer in the next couple of minutes. If for any reason we have tech issues. We are not going to try to beat this thing. Um, we're just going to embrace, just do it without me. Um, you're fine. Uh, so, so if we have tech issues, instead of trying to work on it, if I cut out or freeze or whatever, just shut me down and, uh, and you all just follow the spirit in this, uh, in this section. Hopefully you, didn't, um, hopefully you didn't come away with that dialogue time as, man, we're horrible at all of this, uh, but rather, <laughs> because it can be challenging, but rather as we lean into practices, the reminder that when the more intentionality that we lean into, sometimes we get it right, sometimes it comes easily, sometimes it's really challenging, but it always will end in a gift if we continue to persevere because it's just a pathway. The goal isn't the silence, even though it's a nice skill. The goal is how the silence introduces us to, to make space for the spirit. And so in each of the things that we talk about here, that's the goal, all right? So, so keep that in mind as, as we hop in. But we're gonna hop in right now to our next one. And just as a reminder, you heard Kim say it, but each week, We'll take, um, we'll take a, a new topic of discipleship, a pathway to Jesus, and reflect on it just a bit, give you a week and encourage you to lean in in some way, and then the beginning of each next gathering uh, message time we'll use for Catchbox instead of the end, which is normally when we do dialogue. So if that works, great. All right. So 20 years ago at Kenyon College, there was a commencement speaker, and he, and he uh, offered a statement that that his words have continued to live on for, for quite a few decades. And, uh, and as students considered their, their path ahead, here's what the speaker reminded them of. He said, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the thing about these forms of worship is that they're unconscious. They are our default settings. As we lean into a really big topic of worship, the starting point is simply what we give attention, emotion, and value and time to. If we, if we look at worship in the most broad understanding, what do we give value, time, attention, and focus to? Um, so, so by nature, we all have to do this with something, right? Um, so if you say, I'm not the worshiping type, if you come in and I'm not just, that's just not how I'm wired, I'm not the worshiping type. Uh, you are, it just takes many forms. <laughs> we all are worshiping types. Um, we all point our value in some direction. And we'll come back to that at the end. Um, you heard throughout our music this morning, scriptures that call us and invite us and urge us to worship God. 
but it's really important. I'm just going to briefly share about this, and then we're actually going to hear just some perspectives of, of one or two of you who have been impacted by, um, by movement toward expressing yourselves in worship. Um, but but for, for our purposes this morning, what we're going to do is sharpen our understanding of worship to this, expressing yourself to God in love and praise. Okay? So when we think about expressing yourself to God in love and praise, that's how we're going to focus in worship. Because worship can be all of life and everything like that. Very true, but so can prayer. And so, so for our purposes, expressing yourself to God in love and praise. All right. Um, let's talk about the motives in the scriptures just for a moment about the things uh, and the reasons that we express ourselves to God. Uh, people have worshipped gods or God, whatever, since the beginning of our recorded time, right? And the reasoning was clear in ancient culture. And the reasoning was, if you served the gods and kept them happy, they would give you good things. All right? And so if someone wants to hop up on the whiteboard, you can put you can put this right up there. All right. So old understandings of worship. We appease, and then God blesses. Does that make sense? So... We make sacrifices to God, we worship God, and maybe God will do good things for us, bring the rain, or maybe God will not do bad things to us. But as long as we appease God, and we worship, and we pay attention to God, we say, you're great, you're great, you're great, then God won't do something bad. This is the ancient view of what worship has was was understood to be, keeping the gods happy, all right? Um, and so, you know, you make sacrifices, you do, do chants and dances, you lie face down on the ground, and the hope was that it was enough. And you would just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it if the, if the right things didn't happen. So that's an ancient view of, of worship. Um, but what happens is in Yahweh culminated in Jesus, what we end up seeing, all right, is that worship takes on a different texture. So worship of God is no longer primarily um, about appeasing God. It's no longer about getting what people want. Because God, from the beginning, offers unmerited blessings. So the whole understanding of worship um, is about how God has been preemptive, all right? So God's preemptive love makes people want to respond. God's love, God's care, God's faithfulness makes people want to respond in whatever naturally comes when you are the recipient of such gifts. So the understanding that we see in the scriptures... Right here. God blesses and we respond with joy. Okay? Does that make sense? I can see some of you. So, old, we appeased in order for God to bless. But the new world of our God that culminates in Jesus is that you are blessed. God, God's love is for you. God, God's grace is for you first and foremost. And then because of that, we begin to respond with joy. And so in the Psalms... Um, and throughout the scriptures, you see this. So Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever, right? The Lord's love has gone before. With my mouth, I'll make your faithfulness known through all generations. I'm praising God, but the, per the motive behind my praising God is that you have loved. You are faithful, right? Um, in Ephesians 2, we read, uh, Paul's writing to the, to the early church, instead be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. So there's this idea of giving thanks for what has already come, the goodness and the grace and the presence of God. 
So, so when we talk about worship, you are supposed to worship. Uh, it just doesn't inspire us, right? Like you're supposed to go to church and you're supposed to sing. That's not a particularly inspiring, nor does it move us toward God necessarily. But when we begin to first lean into who God is and what God longs to do and has done, then there is something that begins to bubble up in us. There's something in us that, that wants to respond. The, the more beautiful of a gift you receive, the more you have to, you're compelled to respond in some sort of a way. All right? Um, so I want you to notice those, those differences. It's not forced. It's not formal. It's just what happens when we encounter love and redemption. Um, we want to bring our attention more toward it. We want to express ourselves. Uh, so worship becomes this responsive expression of love to God for what God has done and who God is. And it's almost impossible not to do that when we grasp those things. It's this completely different thing than ancient deity appeasement. It's delighting in a God who loves us and invites us into relationship. Um, and it's transformative. So the, the story that we're just going to look at for a moment here, um, there's a story in Luke, and we often talk about it because it's, um, it's the story that is told on Pass, or, or at the beginning of Passover week on Palm Sunday for us as, as Christians. And Jesus is approaching Jerusalem on a donkey um, at the beginning of Passover week. And so the story is often called the triumphal entry. And we're not going to get into the whole story. We're going to get into one simple statement. Because as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, he's been, on, he's been healing. He's been proclaiming the goodness of God in all sorts of different ways. And when he comes into Jerusalem, it says in Luke 19, When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, heading toward Jerusalem, the whole crowd of disciples, they've heard about him. Some of them have encountered him already. They began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all of the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So they're worshiping, right? They're praising, they're expressing. Some Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, this is Jesus talking, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. A really interesting statement. So all, there's all this celebration coming. The Pharisees, we don't know their motives. Maybe they think it's blasphemy. Maybe they don't want to cause a ruckus. Um, because if you head into Jerusalem on Passover week with a whole bunch of attention, it brings all the Roman guard um, into, you become, you go into their cross. And so there's all sorts of motives. We don't know why they said, hey, shut up. Please tell them to shut up. But Jesus looks at them and he says, if they don't say something, the rocks will cry out. Now, the first kind of natural inclination that we get to that is all of the passages in the scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about how the heavens declare the glory of God and, and the trees of the field will clap their hands and the mountains will burst forth in song and all of these things. The idea that Jesus is saying, listen, when people and creation encounter goodness, it's going to be proclaimed in some way or another. All right. Um, the earth exists to bring glory to its creator. He's saying they've seen goodness. They've seen care for the poor. They've seen healing. They've seen hope, even if their hope is misguided because a bunch of them think he's going to lead a violent revolt. They were wrong, but they were recognizing that Jesus was the true king. And so Jesus looks and he says, it's impossible for that not to be expressed. Now there's a second thing that I'm going to talk about right at the end of our time. Um, but I want you to notice right now before we um, invite Jody um, and Lori up, um, we should notice that in this story, 
the way that they express themselves is very physical, right? Some shouted, some waved branches, some spread cloaks on the ground. There is, there is something that we notice here that is active in the response that's related to posture. Um, so there is something about the whole being that is invited into worship that is really important for us. Um, the root meaning for the, the Hebrew word that we translate as worship is to prostrate, which means to lie down. Um, the word bless, like bless the Lord, is literally the word kneel. Kneel before the Lord. Um, thanksgiving in the scriptures refers to an extension of the hand. So give thanks is extend your hand. Um, so postures matter because they invite our body into the experience of God. All right. Worship is one of those primary ways and expressions look all different. And that's what's so cool. But um, worship is one of the primary ways that we express physically our connection to the God of mind and body and spirit and heart and soul. So wholehearted worship in your life may look like many, many different things. The point is not the posture, but the point is that it is wholehearted. All right. So um, we have a few people who know um, and have experienced kind of how impossible it is not to express love for God. Um, and worship in the way that we're talking about it is a significant part of their experience. Um, unfortunately, Phil was going to join us up here too, but um, I'll invite uh, Jody to come up and then um, Lori as a support as well. Um, in there, and Lori, feel free to hop in. Um, she's a late addition to this, but has plenty to add to uh, to this conversation. So I offered them a few questions that I just wanted them to uh, to take a chance to respond to. Hi, everybody. Oh, hi. There it is. I just need a little more so that I can see Jody. Yay! That's perfect. Oh, I can get closer. I just. Uh... Hi, Lori. Yeah, I, I get the weirdness of this. It's, it's, uh, believe me, I, I thought I was done after, after 14 months of staring at this, at this camera. I, I thought I was so done and, uh, and <laughs> I've learned that I, I am done with this. But anyways, um, I am thankful to see both of you. So, uh, so let's just hop right in, um, for the sake of time. So this is Jody and Lori or Jody and Lori, I think is how it's going to work. Uh, Lori, Jody. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, and uh, and so, um, yeah, you don't need to feel the, the need to respond to each question, but I've offered you a few questions. Like, when did you first begin connecting with God through, through worship? Were you younger or older? And what was that all about? And Jody, why don't you hop in? So for me, when I was a little kid in a Methodist church sitting in the pews, my eyes would start to tear up when I was listening to the message, but no one around me was responding. And so I turned it off. I focused on drawing on the little pad where you check off that you've attended that week or whatever with the pens and pencils. Anybody remember? I used to draw and color on that and cut off that interaction with the Holy Spirit because I didn't know what it was and no one else was doing it. A couple of years later, a charismatic fellowship came through our church and on Saturday nights we had fellowship and we had clapping of hands, raising of hands, moving. What is this? This is fun. The music is uplifting and not dirges and this is really kind of cool. So that's where that first started in me. And then I uh, eventually in college got involved with a church that was very charismatic, non-denominational, 
And there, they danced formally Jewish-style dancing and interpretive dancing during the church service. And there was women there who, women and men who both danced, by the way, and it was gorgeous watching guys submit themselves in this way and dance. But um, there were women there who encouraged others and helped us and helped us not be too physical in nature where it was distracting to people, but to be honoring. And so I had the opportunity to practice and experience and try it out and take risks and was safe. And then I went through a period of time where I was learning how to hear God's voice and really practicing hearing his voice and knowing how to listen and do what he's asked me to do. And a lot of that is what's happening with me up here as I'm dancing. I do not do it as a performance. It is truly what God has called me to do. Um, it is a, a two-way communication between he and I. I am, like you said, that responding in joy, uh, but sometimes it takes me stepping out in movement before I start feeling it. I see a couple people nodding their heads. It takes me taking that step into the movement, submitting myself into it, before I actually feel some of it, feel some of the joy, feel some of the response. Sometimes I'm, I'm tearing up, and if I'm crying, something is happening in my spirit. So I'm praying for something. Sometimes I'm battling for something. Sometimes it's, it's, it, so it's a, it's a couple of different things for me. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah, and I'll say one thing and then toss it over to Lori. I, I think the, the beautiful thing in there is not say everyone ought to dance, right? Correct. Um, it's to say that, that when we are moved by, by Jesus, then there is freedom. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a step in some new way, right, to right. start to encounter more. That, that idea of that responsiveness there is time for stillness in our spirit, but there mm -hmm. might also be time to express in some way. And it could look so many different ways. It does not have to look charismatic in the ways Correct. that we're talking. But there's beauty in the freedom there. Go ahead, Lori. Okay, well, I am the exact opposite <laughs> of my friend Jody. Um, so I came from a really conservative, fundamentalist-type church. And worship to us was very prescriptive. It was, you stand when you stand, when everybody stands, you sit when everybody sits, you sing when everybody sings. And the other prescription part was, only so some people could, like, actually lead the worship or lead the, or lead the prayers or anything. There wasn't, there wasn't any response to anything. It was, this was already prescribed and this is what we do. And so since I was in uh, the group of people who could not lead and could not teach and could not respond, I had to figure out ways where I could worship not at church, basically. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I found other things to do that became worship for me. So... Um, and like I said before, that you know, I don't usually have music going on, but my art is worship for me. Mm. Um, 
I can get in, I can pray I can pray while I'm while I'm painting and that just gives me enough time while I'm painting mm. to actually concentrate on what I'm praying about instead of my yeah. mind going everywhere. Um, another form of worship for me is being out in nature. I love just being outside in nature walking or or um, just sitting in nature and trees. I just adore trees. And I feel like there's a lot of wisdom in nature. And when Keith was talking about the, the, the rocks crying out, I'm thinking to myself, rocks crying? Like, actually, how would a rock worship God or Jesus? Like, how would that be? Like, how does a tree worship? How does a mountain worship? How does the, the, the heavens worship? By being exactly what it is. <laughs> by, by, by doing exactly what it does. And, it, and, a, and a person like Jody who wants to dance and a person like me who wants to do art and a person who wants to do something different, um, doing exactly what God calls you to do to worship him is, is I feel like, the worship that he wants. Thanks, Lauren. So that just leads to the question. So, Jody, what, what does worship look like for you when you're not in a shared church gathering? Well, and I've been thinking about that a lot. I get stuck in my left brain with my logical thinking. And so when I'm at home and at work, it doesn't quite look the same. But I'm going to take the challenge this week to try it out more the way it manifests here at church at home because hmm. I'm wondering what I'm going to gather from that. More often than not, it's music on in the car, my hand out the window, it looks like I'm playing in the wind, or I'm raising my hand in the car and the person behind me thinks I'm crazy. You too? Okay, good. It's not just me. So more, most, most of the time it's that, but often I'm distracting myself in my brain. Like I always have television on, and I'm recognizing it's not serving me. So I'm thinking more music and more times of stepping aside from the left brain side of myself and stepping mm. into this. I'm looking forward to what I see this next week. Maury? Yeah. I think I already ahead, answered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind of led into that. So let's let's uh, invite you two to just one one final question. What would you say to encourage people who who are not naturally drawn to, we'll say, worship practices as a part of their discipleship? Um, I would say, find a place and just start moving. Just even lifting your hands, waving. Something, just start something, anything. It doesn't have to look a particular way. When I'm up here, it, it sometimes looks one way, sometimes it's interpretive, sometimes I'm signing some words, sometimes I'm just moving. Just just rock back and forth. Hmm. Just just start and ask, ask God, ask Jesus to take it from there. You just start. Let him take it from there. See what happens. Do something, yeah. Lori? Um, mine is, it doesn't have to be anywhere, any particular place. Mm -hmm. You can worship in the car. You can worship in the bathroom, in the shower. 
Um, you could worship. I feel like even if you fall asleep while you're praying, you're still falling asleep in the hands of God. I mean, like, who else, why else would you want to fall asleep? So all of that could be worship. Like, it doesn't have to be any particular one thing. It's, it's just about being yourself and glorifying God with who you are. And, and I'm going to add, I'm going to peel back the layers before any of those actions and say one helpful tool might be um, to lean into the goodness of God, period. And start to look for God's faithfulness in your life and where you've seen it. Start to lean into the scriptures that remind us of what the character of God is and see if something begins to emerge within you. The desire to write poetry or go for a walk and just delight and, you know, notice things. You know, I, I, we talked about these weird practices months ago of the historic church that can be reclaimed. And I cross myself often when I sense a, a unique blessing from God now, which is not my tradition at all. But when I'm out on a run and I notice beauty somewhere and I say, God is beautiful. Wow. I'll do this physical thing to mark that moment um, as, a, as a consecration of it to God. Uh, to use a big word. Uh, so, so beautiful, beautiful thoughts. Thank you both for uh, just offering um, your perspectives. Um. And Brian, would you please turn me around? I feel like a robot. <laughs> Okay, thank you. So as we, um, it's it's fun to be stretched in new ways and all of that. But as we lean in, I'm going to throw a total curveball for the last like three minutes here. Because, and it's it's almost unfair because the way I set up this, this rocks crying out passage. I believe everything we talked about was true. And it's an absolutely valid way to interpret Jesus's statement. That if they stay silent, the rocks will cry out. But there's another layer there. Because there's one other spot in the scriptures where rocks cry out. And there's only one other spot in the scriptures where rocks cry out. And it's in the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. And in Habakkuk, um, he is uh, a prophet who has been called to warn God's people. And this happens before the destruction of their temple, before they are ransacked as a city, to call God's people to notice the areas that they have been participating in injustice and violence, okay? So, so listen to that. And it's, it's a challenging passage. So in Habakkuk 2, in verse 9, he proclaims this, Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. And then here we go in verse 11. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Why the heck am I bringing that up? Here's why. Worship is a way of expression, but it is also a way of formation. Okay, remember at the beginning that I said that everybody worships something? Well, when we look at this story... The next statement in the, in the book of Luke, when Jesus, right after he says the rocks will cry out, he comes into view of the temple of Jerusalem, the same rocks referenced in Habakkuk, and he says, 
Oh, Jerusalem, if you only know what would make for peace, but you're not choosing that direction. And eventually it's going to lead to your destruction. And I believe that there is a good chance, I'm not the only person, I'm not just making this stuff up, um, but I believe that there's a good chance that these two things are linked, and here's why. If we worship Jesus, if we elevate who Jesus is and what Jesus is about as worthy of praise, it will lead us to lives that value those things. Okay? But if we don't, if we don't praise this surprising king with an upside-down kingdom, then we'll praise something else. We'll give praise to a different set of values and people. And if we do that, don't be surprised if the rocks cry out, pointing out the results of our actions that don't line up with God's heart. The rocks can cry out because we have worshipped the wrong thing and it's led to harm and injustice and to unfaithfulness. So there's, there's something in us and something in the world that wants to praise the beautiful creator. But there is some incredible benefit to that, not just within our own spirits, but in the world. Because the reality is that if this isn't who we're giving value to, then we will give value to something else. If the God of love is not elevated, we will elevate something else and it will lead us astray. We will not create a world that looks more like God's heart. We will move toward ourselves as kind of the highest authority. All right. And we will spend our time and energy on things that do not benefit the world and do not make the world look more like God's dream. Um, so there's a direct relationship between our worship practices and looking at the world and saying that if we don't praise God, the whole world will burst forth because it already is. That's valid. But also um, our ability to follow the command of Jesus that says loves our neighbor, love our neighbor is only properly aligned when our hearts are bent toward worshiping the true God and the kingdom that that God represents. So there's a both and. I invite you this week to be drawn in new ways to worship. Unfortunately, I wish we could put this up on the screen, but your, your challenge is this week, and maybe we'll put this in our um, Life Path Lately email that goes out. Um, as you look at this, and if you want to, if you're a writing type and you want to put it in the empty space there in the bottom of the first page, um, I'll give this to you. So your practical challenges start with allow your mind to rest on God's goodness and grace throughout this week. Allow your mind to rest on God's goodness and grace throughout this week. The second thing, I'll offer you three. The second thing is consider which postures are the most helpful for you to express love to God and find ways to express them without embarrassment. All right, so the second one is consider which postures are most helpful to you to express love to God and find ways to express them without embarrassment. And then finally, try new ways of expressing love to God. Write poetry, sing, move, create art, journal, whatever. But allow yourself to respond in some sort of an expressive way and see how God might speak to you. All right? Notice how you actually, the kind of person you want to be and are in those moments. When you emerge from them, take note of how you feel and how you want to live in the world. And you will find that internal worship of the God that is love, full of love and grace actually leads us to be the kinds of people that Jesus wants in the world too. Um, all right. So that's your encouragement. That's your challenge. Uh, I do, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I had to come on you in two dimension 
two dimensions uh, this morning. Uh, but I, uh, I'm just inviting you to lean in deeply this week. Uh, Kim is going to lead us through, I know we're a couple minutes later, but Kim's going to lead us through a time um, to share in communion and then uh, offer a couple of announcements and prayer as we go forth. And I just invite you, even in the communion song, to just soak in the beauty of God and allow yourself to just worship in response. All right, friends, I'll hop back on Zoom and uh, <laughs> and we'll throw the slides up. And uh, it's a blessing to be able to be with you all this week and looking forward to actually seeing you next week. All right, so long.